This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. With me, Laura Curran. Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now, here's your host, Laura Curran. Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today is Dr. Isma Chowdhury. Hello, doctor. Hello, Laura. Dr. Thank you Chowdhury, so much. Isma, someone who has become my friend over the past several years. So just to give you a sense of who Isma is, she is a physician and a professor of public health at Hofstra University in Nassau County, public health as it relates to immigrant communities and health equities. Isma, if you live in Nassau County, if you live on Long Island, you have seen her in the paper, you have seen her out and about. She's very active in the interfaith community and all different other kinds of things. I mean, we could go on and on about that. But she was elected president, the first woman to be president of the Islamic Center of Long Island in 2015. And then she was the first woman to be the chair of the board of directors of ICLI in 18. And she remains on that board. She's on many boards. She's an expert in so many different things. And I'm so happy to have you here, Isma. Thank you so much, Laura, for having me on your show. And thank you for that gracious introduction. Absolutely. So I want to talk about the politics and then we can talk about some other stuff. The Muslim community is becoming more of a powerhouse politically every election cycle. So you moved to the United States from Pakistan? Yes, I did. I moved about 30 years back okay. um, and lived in Nassau since then and moved to Manhasset, Long Island in 2020, 2004. All right. Something around. So you have seen the community grow on Long Island. What are the changes that you've seen? What's, what are the biggest differences that you've seen in this growth? So suburbia is uh, usually where immigrants are very comfortable. Mm. And of course, they come in in cities. And then once lifestyle is more comfortable, mm -hmm. suburbia is what pulls immigrants, mm -hmm. especially South Asian immigrants. Why is that, do you think? First of all, it's just the comfort level of suburbia. Yeah, They come from countries, I come from Pakistan, which is even the cities have a huge, huge element of suburbia or culture of suburbia in it. Mm. So that's mm. a cultural thing mm. as well. And you come, you live in the community. There you start off with finding out where your hub is, where your community is staying locally. And that's where people usually get houses, apartments, and that's where they gather. Now, it's interesting what you say about suburbia, because I think folks who live in the city have a sort of cookie cutter image of what the suburbs is. But you're saying immigrants like suburbia. They're comfortable there and they feel welcomed there. Welcomed have changed over the last few that. decades. So Long Island is very interesting. It is a unique suburbia. Yeah. 
And and Nassau County is very different from Suffolk County. Yeah. So what makes an immigrant comfortable is just the vastness. Mm -hmm. But the welcome aspect has changed in the last two to three decades. Tell me about that. So when you first came, it was how were Muslims seen? How were the mosques perceived when they were started in certain communities? So my husband and myself, we worked in Brooklyn uh, mm. when we moved here on Long Island. Mm. And what neighborhood uh, in Brooklyn? Brookdale Hospital. Mm. So when we came to, we couldn't find a house. We could not, people were not prepared to basically rent or uh, give a house to a South Asian, a Muslim. That was Long Island 30 years back. Wow. Early 90s, not so long ago. No, not lo so long ago. So we got an apartment in North Shore Towers. Mm -hmm. Nice place, close to the city, close to Long Island and right on the edge of uh, Nassau and Queens. And then after the market crashed a little bit, People wanted to sell houses, and that's where we got an end. Uh -huh. So we moved to Manhasset about 27 years back. And at that time, my kids were the only Muslim kids in their small independent school. Wow. And the same was with the public school. Things have changed. Community has grown. And so has the comfort level of most of the people living there. Yeah, I have found that as well. And I've seen and I visit many of the mosques, the masjids around the county. And I see every time I go, there are more people. There are more people parking. There are more people walking. There are more people praying. And, and it is interesting what you say about Suffolk County. We don't see the same sort of thing there, do we? No, we don't. NASA is, again, it's welcoming. I'm not going to take that away from NASA. Yeah. So is Suffolk, but I'm more vested in Nassau County. So the mosques in Nassau County have grown tremendously. Mm -hmm. The population and the congregants in those mosques have grown also. So when we started, we would have an average Friday prayer, about 150 people. Now, our average prayer, we have to do two prayers on mm -hmm. Friday. Mm -hmm. And the first prayer, we have about close to 1,000 people, wow. the second close to 500. Wow. And that's the same situation with most of the other mosques well, as well. I remember coming to Mitchell Field to celebrate Eid, and there were literally, I don't know, 3,000 people there, or maybe, maybe 5,000. Absolutely. Actually, the first prayer that we do for our Eid, which is Muslim holiday, usually uh, there are close to five, 6,000 people. Yeah. And the second has about, thousand people, a couple of thousand people. And all beautifully attired, oh, all yes. decked out, ready to <laughs> celebrate. Something that I found, I didn't really know any Muslim people when I was growing up. I bounced around a lot as a kid, but wherever I lived, there just weren't a lot. And maybe that's just the way, you know, where I lived was. And the one thing that really struck me immediately about the community is how warm and welcoming the community is. I just felt so invited in and appreciated. And it was a a really lovely feeling. And I sort of felt like I had to go around, you got to go check these people out. They're so nice. And most of the Muslims in Nassau County are South Asian. I'm like, the food is so good. And they're so generous and kind. And I remember when I first met you, it was at the Garden City Hotel at an ICLI event. And I came and introduced myself to you. And I was so impressed because I think I might have had a stereotype that, you know, maybe the Muslim community is anti-feminist. They don't like women, you know, stuff that you hear from the news. And the fact that a woman 
is running the show said to me, wow, maybe I need to revisit my stereotype here. It's very interesting you say that, Laura, because I'm actually working on a book where my tagline is, Islam is a feminist religion. Oh, I love that. And Islam is. What we get lost into sometimes within the community and for the outside community as well, that people forget that every religion, every practice has cultural norms as well. And those are basically over decades and generations and generations. So when we look at the tradition, which is religious from a cultural lens, we get lost. So yes, you're parsing out the religion from the cultural norms that have evolved over generations. Absolutely. So I was fortunate enough, I feel very blessed that I was the first female president. Now, a lot of mosques have female presidents, Mm. but I was voted in in 2015 Mm -hmm. and a huge honor for me. It's a testament of the community and the the openness of the community who thought I can serve in this position. And I'm really honored. So, yes, that's the stereotype that we all have to recognize and deal with. But, yes, it's a great tradition. I live that tradition whenever I'm in a sanctuary or in any religious space. I do cover my head. Mm -hmm. But in my workspace, I do not cover my head. Mm -hmm. A lot of Muslim sisters, they do cover their head. A lot of them, they don't. So instead of just getting caught up on just those things, on an appearance of a woman, I think we need to look at a tradition beyond that. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that you're a trailblazer. And you have this this way about you that it is both disarming, but also very precise. And you don't mince words. And you don't really have a lot of fear when you're dealing with people in power. Yes, I don't know why, but people are people. Everybody comes from a good place in their own context. Mm -hmm. That's what I believe in. Mm -hmm. People in power have a lot more responsibility than an average person like me. Mm -hmm. So I have no hesitation in addressing them because of their position and the responsibility. So I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot from you. A lot of times I gave you a little hard time. Yes. But you. But it uh, was helpful. And you were very gracious. You were not offended. You took that power very uniquely. Hmm. And I have immense respect for that quality that you have in service. Well, thank you. So speaking politically, a lot of political folks come to you for advice, for, you know, a sense of how things are going in the community, maybe for support. What is moving the Muslim community politically these days? So we're seeing the Asian vote and specifically the Muslim vote as well becoming a little more red. I'll just give you a little factoid. Let's look at Trump. 2016, 22% of the Muslim community voted for Trump in 16. 35 voted for Trump in 2020. We're also seeing, let's compare the midterms in 2018, Actually, in 2022, so the midterms that just happened, 28% of Muslims voted Republican. That's 11 percentage points higher than four years earlier in 2018. What is important politically to the community? I'm so glad you're having this conversation, and I hope these conversations go on in the political arena. So 
the South Asian community and the Muslim community is one of the fastest growing communities in the U.S. Suburbia is a little different politically mm-hmm. than the rest of the nation. And we know the facts. We know the qualitative data on it as well as the quantitative data on it. So I'm not going to delve into that at this stage. But considering that there are certain myths about what are the top rating concerns of the Muslim community. Yeah. Ah, and so what are those myths? So interestingly, healthcare, job, economy, right? The, like the rest of the country and economy. Those are the top ones. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting that somehow the immigrant communities are stereotyped in saying, oh, they're very invested in the immigration policies. Right. Okay. That's way down. Right. That's way down. Like and saying all that women care about are abortion rights. While it may be important, it not isn't necessarily the one issue. Absolutely. So I would strongly recommend our people who run for office to look at their constituents, to understand the concerns of their constituents. If I'm talking from NASA, NASA County is, again, a very, very different, unique suburbia. And people who are in political office or are running for office have to understand that they have to understand the uniqueness of the concerns of their constituents. The other thing is the communities, South Asian community, Muslim community, these are multi-generational households. Yes. So people forget that. People forget the influence of the elders in the family. Hmm. So the elders in the family or the people who have moved in as immigrants, they feel more comfortable with the Republican rhetoric. Conservative. Conservative, family, faith. And then the youth lean more towards the democratic rhetoric. I have found a real generation gap in the community from my younger friends and the older folks that I've spoken to. And the this is a broad generalization, but the younger Muslims I've met are very far to the left compared Absolutely. to their elders. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Absolutely. And that becomes an issue. Is there a tension in the households because of this? Absolutely. Just like the rest of America. (laughs) (laughs) So again, don't think that the Muslim community or the South Asian community is not following the same path. Yeah. People lose friendships. Family members are not talking to each other because far left, far right. And then, of course, uh, Republican. But it's interestingly how much the far left has caused that split. More than the Democratic or the Republican, it's the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Well, when people who may not be very familiar with the Muslim community, they know Ilhan Omar, they know Rashida Tlaib, they know that they're part of the squad, and maybe they don't 
get the rest of it. But meanwhile, you know, there was someone from Dearborn, Michigan, a young Muslim saying, you know, Democrats talk about diversity, but they don't want real diversity. They don't want our kind of diversity. Another Muslim voter said, well, what's important to me is faith and family. And I don't like all this sexually explicit content in the schools, which I don't know if it's there or not, but that's what they think. And therefore, I'm not totally comfortable with the Republicans, but I'm a little more comfortable with them than with the Democrats. Absolutely. And at this time, we are such a divided nation because there is a lack of clarity in the message. And whatever that message is, it's becoming very divisive at both ends. And people are disenchanted. They don't want to vote also because nothing, one of the things that I hear from my community when I talk to them about how important it is to stay relevant and be a part of the, the system and come out and vote is nothing will change. Mm. Nothing will change. I mean, I hear that in the black community as well. Like, oh, you're telling me one thing, but what's going to, how's my life going to be affected? How's, what are you going to do for me? Absolutely. How's this going to change my life? And, and people have, do become cynical. And I also call it social PTSD. This is my term. Please don't use it anywhere Trademarked. else. <laughs> Trademarked by, Trademarked by, by me. Because I come from a country which is embedded in a lot of social norms self-prescribed social norms, the politics is very different. Yeah. And for me, when I look at the same politics over here in my backyard, in Manhasset, in, in Long Island, it brings back this will never change. Are you referring to something in particular? Yes. So I live in town of North Hempstead. There is a gentleman who was running for assembly from my district, and he had very divisive comments oh, about yes. Muslims. About Muslims and Sikhs. And Absolutely. Yeah. Every so he didn't my, win, by the way. Yeah, he did not. He did not win. And first of all, it's the responsibility of the party to vet individuals, to make sure because that shows a lack of respect for your constituents. If you are honoring somebody with a seat who doesn't represent everyone out there. And it's interesting because a lot of the Democratic seats went Republican in Nassau County. So they're probably kicking themselves for not having looked a little more closely at this candidate because who knows? It, it was a close call. Absolutely. And they should. They should kick themselves. <laughs> That's what I, mean. <laughs> I won't stop them either. Yeah, I'm not going exa- <laughs> to. So it's very interesting. Again, our politicians do not understand the ethnic communities. Yeah. They do not spend time. Yeah. They do not. And this is very sad because if we look at the data, it's going to be, you know, in 2020, what the percentage was, it's going to increase by 30% in another 15 years. Wow. So if you don't know it now, you might as well start getting involved with the communities. And it is fine. I'm not putting it as a blame. I'm putting it as a field where we need to know who we are serving. It's a real opportunity as well. Absolutely. So something that I've often wondered is, you know, a, a politician comes by and is unfamiliar with the Muslim community. Is there like a sense that you get that they're uncomfortable or they're trying too hard not to be offensive or they're just so like, kind of like plastic faced, like, and how do you help? <laughs> like, what can they do? What What do they need to know coming in that they don't have to be so stiff? So just be yourself. Just call up whoever you're comfortable with and find out 
what do I do? What is the dress code? How do I dress? Is there a segregation between men and women during prayer time? Mm-hmm. What is your tradition? And right there and then you win hearts mm-hmm. because now you're showing respect. Mm-hmm. And I also have to say one thing which is extremely important. A lot of our politicians get carried away bringing global politics yeah locally yeah that's a very very dangerous turf to go well to. because it's a minefield it is and nobody is an expert even people from that tradition are not experts in global politics yeah. and if once you start bringing that in you're bringing setting a very different trend right in your backyard and perhaps you're alienating people needlessly absolutely because they may be concerned about what's going on globally, but they're not looking to you running for assembly or, you know, county executive, maybe Congress, it's an issue. But for those local races, you know what? It's so important. And I'm just going to give state one data. Foreign policy in Asia is one of the lowest amongst 10 concerns of the South Asian and the Muslim population. So even if they're looking at a congressional candidate, for instance, it is the lowest. Wow. However, the minute you bring Mm. voice to that global politics, Mm. everybody gets divided. Yeah. Because there are so many, absolutely, there are so many facets to it. Mm -hmm. There's so many stories to it. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things that are there that we don't understand in the global Mm -hmm. politics. I would strongly suggest people to first clean your own house, Mm -hmm. take care of your own backyard, make sure My backyard is secure. Mm -hmm. My backyard is welcoming people, has economical stability. There is health care. Social determinants of health are addressed. There's a lot of work. Why bring the global baggage into it? Right. That's interesting. I mean, maybe maybe people think they can win points with certain communities by saying certain things. But then are you then alienating a whole bunch of other people needlessly because you have nothing to do with these events and you have no power over them. Absolutely. That's so interesting. You know, I'm reminded we were talking before about Donald Trump and how he got a lot more Muslim support the second time around, which is interesting because when he was running for president in 2015, 2016, he was talking about implementing a database to track Muslims. A lot of people felt that this generated and encouraged Islamophobia then proposing the Muslim ban and then implementing it, or at least trying to, after he won. Why do you think his support among Muslims increased over his four years as president after that? Because that, to me, would feel like a deal breaker. Absolutely. There are a few factors. And again, we all fall into the mind of stereotyping. So Muslim community is a very professional, affluent community as well. Yes. With the concerns on inflation, economy, where the stock market is going, health care. And somehow, some of the communities got attention to that rhetoric that Donald Trump was going to be the savior in those areas. Right. And that's something, it is, when people say these kind of trends are alarming, I think these kind of trends are something which needs to be explored and something where we all need to learn why. Right. Perhaps that's not alarming. Yeah, why don't you look to see why that's happening? Absolutely. Instead of freaking out and saying they must be brainwashed or whatever. Absolutely. And there is, look, preservation is human instinct. 
and if his message is addressing some of the communities, look into it. Look at What's their concerns. going? Yeah, yeah. And some can say that the community, by and large, especially the elders that we were talking about, are turned off by some of the more progressive policies, absolutely, and cultural trends. Something else I wanted to ask you, Isma. I don't know if you saw the statistic, but apparently, according to one study, there were a record-breaking number of Muslims winning election throughout the United States in 2022. So 83 Muslim candidates won local, state, federal, and judicial seats in 25 states, including Republican-led states like Texas, Virginia, and Georgia. Of course, the most famous Muslim to run was Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz. He yep. didn't win, but he came close. But meantime, many Muslim folks were winning. What do you think that's about? Do you think it's something besides growing numbers of Muslims in the country? That is one factor. Absolutely one variable is that. The other thing is you always feel more comfortable somebody who looks like you. Yeah. Who you can detect an accent that you're familiar with. Yeah. And sometimes the message might be clear or not. But that is a huge factor as well on that. The other thing is, in our elections, we forget ethnic media, we forget language access. And these candidates are not just speaking to the concerns of the community, but they also know the culture. They know what are the norms. They know the idiosyncrasies of those communities. Mm -hmm. And that's very important to understand. A lot of candidates did not. Nassau County, a couple of Republican candidates were from the community. They did not win, mm. or Democrats as well. Mm. So, Again, your connection with the community, I would say, is a huge factor. And what you look like, if you look like somebody you know, you're speaking the language, you understand the concerns, I think that that's something which is a very important variable in it. Hmm. What do you think are the biggest misunderstandings, even as far as we've come, about the community? That this is... It's a very culturally diverse community. Right. I mean, we're talking mostly about the South Asian Muslim community. Absolutely. But when I remember in New York City in the 1980s, the Muslims that I saw were African-American. That was seemed to be the dominant background. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, and culturally, even religiously, they come from different countries. Mm -hmm. And the tradition is practiced basically according to the Quran and the Sunnah. Mm -hmm. However, the cultural practices are different. So you will see a lot of women wearing hijab, a lot of women wearing the ethnic garb, mm -hmm. a lot not. Mm -hmm. And so that is another. When people paint everybody with the same brush and look at it from the same lens, that's, I think, something which needs to be addressed because you need to know your community. It's nuanced and it's complicated. I can't believe it, but we only have about a minute and a half left. It always flies by. Are you watching what's going on in Iran? And what are your thoughts about that? It's, it, it's breaking my heart what's happening over there. It's very sad. It's hard. It's, 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 it's hard horrible. To know that this is happening in it, our world. Absolutely. And it is so sad that in this time and age, we are still embedded in what a woman should look like. That's right. What she should, it's, we have to move beyond that. 
as humanity, we need mm. to look beyond that. For people thinking that women who wear a hijab are somehow less intellectually there, and the no, women that's, who, the, that's powerhouses, uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, or the women who don't wear a hijab, they are not traditionalist in yeah. their tradition. So that's something which is extremely sad. What's happening there yeah. shouldn't be happening anywhere. Shouldn't be happening anywhere. Well, I'm really looking forward to your book coming out. Thank you. Do you have a title yet? We'll get there. We know the <laughs> subtitle that I'm a paraphrasing, but Islam is a feminist religion. I can't wait to read it. And I hope you'll come back on when it's out. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Chowdhury. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much. Dear listener, if you like what you hear on Cut to the Chase, please subscribe. And if you really like it, give us five stars. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Take care. <laughs>